this summer, I was visiting my family. My family um, lives up in northeast Washington in the Spokane area. Anybody know where Spokane is? Okay, that's great. So uh, that's where I grew up, that area. And so I was visiting my family. Now, my younger brother, who he's married and has a couple kids, and then my parents are there. And um, me and my younger brother, we have never had a good relationship. Now, our relationship now is solid, but it's not like, you know, we're close. I would never say, oh, we're so tight. Um, and, and, and so it's always kind of been this, like, tension point, I guess, uh, in some regard. Um, it, was, it was really rough. I mean, he was, you know, he was that sibling that he was a freshman in high school when I was a senior, right? So it was my job to make his life horrible. And, and I did that. I was a, I was, I'll, I'll never soften this. I was a jerk in high school. I mean, I was a jerk. Like with my younger brother, I mean, when we would, I, I had to take him to school. I would make him sit in the back. He couldn't sit in the front. I wouldn't let him roll down his window. Um, nothing. Like I wouldn't let him talk. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. And, and, and so that probably is a reason why we have a lot of issues to the, well, no, we fixed a lot of the issues. But I was there visiting my family, and, and he and I, we went out for lunch together. And, and we have lunch, and, and, and we come back, and I'm in his truck, and, and I'm about to get out, and, and he brings something up. And it's interesting, isn't it, how our family, you know, and your siblings can bring things up that hits points of tension and conflict that other people don't even know about. Like, they can say stuff, and it, and it hits differently. And he said something, and, and it was wrong. And so I proceeded to tell him, you're wrong. And then we got into a conflict. And, and then it got more and more heated. And, and, and I remember as, you know, we walked through that, and, you know, we're sitting in his truck having this conflict. Um, and, and towards the end, and after it was over, and I got out of the, out of the truck and, and walked into the house and... And that I was processing through it, and and one of the things that I was really thankful for in that conflict was um, we both told each other exactly how we felt. Like there wasn't this um, oh I'm gonna like you know skirt around the edges here I'm gonna you know pretend this doesn't bother me what you just said but it really did but I'm just gonna pretend it didn't like we were very honest with each other and we held each other accountable to the things that we had said and so we walked through that and actually as a result of that we our our relationship actually grew stronger and I, I think, you know, sometimes when we think about, you know, you hear, uh, you will hear me talk about it. You'll hear uh, people that, that say they're Christians. You'll hear them talk about it. But this whole idea of, of pursuing peace, okay, this whole idea of reconciliation. And, and I just want to be really clear that when we think of pursuing peace or reconciliation, it means, um, it, it, it doesn't mean that we just ignore or avoid what's happened, That's not what it means. It doesn't mean uh, that we pretend something didn't happen that actually did happen. And and, and then we just hope it goes away. It's interesting how when when I I hear people talk about, well, I'm I'm to pursue peace or I'm trying to make the relationship right. And I'm like, okay, you are. um, That's great. But you're actually uh, pretending that you don't feel how you actually feel. 
You're actually pretending that that doesn't bother you when I know it does. You're actually uh, pretending that what they said is, is you're, you're acting like it's okay and your relationship's cool, but deep down, you are, you're upset. You're mad. And you may be hiding that well right now, but eventually with any of that stuff, it comes out. It just does. It boils to the surface. And even in me and my brother's conflict in the car, that was stuff that had been simmering below the surface. And it just at that point in time, it boiled over. And, and, and so uh, the reality is when we see in, in the Bible pursuing peace, reconciliation, we're going to look at some of those verses in a minute. It is not saying this like, oh, just pretend you're okay when you're not. Just, just, you know, uh, just put on this smiley face with them, just try and tolerate them and everything's okay and you're honoring God and all that. No, that's not, that's not what the Bible talks about. It's not what it uh, calls us to. And, and I want to say this, the Bible itself does not hide conflict. Like it doesn't hide it. It actually reveals conflict. Um, and, and, and it reveals conflict even with people we wouldn't expect to see it from. You know, um, there's this term uh, or this phrase called media darlings. And, 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 and what it is is, is uh, people are labeled this who the media, they, they kinda, the media kind of protects them. In other words, there's certain celebrities that the media is like, we're going to highlight everything that's wrong with them. We're going to find any, the worst pictures, the worst situations, the worst rumors. We're going to put them out there. And then with this person, we're going to hide all that. And, 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 and so they're kind of labeled these media darlings, okay? And, and, and what's interesting is in Scripture, there, there's nobody like that. There's just nobody. The Bible does not hide the imperfections of people that follow Jesus. It reveals them. And I think what's inter interesting about that when we talk about conflict is a lot of times people will take their perception of how they're to handle conflict within a church setting. And, and what they do is they think about um, all of these scandals that we've heard about publicized within churches that churches have hid. And that's very true. That's happened. And, and we will hear those headlines. We will see those things. Um, we will hear about like pastors or people that were part of a church and they were doing all these things. But but people were hiding it and protecting that person. And we just assume that that's conflict within the church. That's what, that's, that's what you do. And so you just assume uh, that that conflict is avoided at all costs. You ignore it. You pretend it's not there. Um, and, and that's not at all what we see in the Bible. The Bible actually shows the scandals. It shows the results of the conflict. When you think of just uh, certain situations in the Bible, like Peter, uh, Peter was one of Jesus's closest followers, closest friends. Right before Jesus goes uh, to be crucified on a cross, he tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, no, I'm not. I am loyal to the core. I'm not going to do that. What does he do? He denies him adamantly to the point of cussing out people that he does not know who Jesus is. He's not one of his followers. And so we see that very epic uh, failure there, this huge mistake uh, that this guy who's one of his closest followers makes um, and, and, and the conflict there. We see um, David, the guy that killed Goliath, we see his greatest mistake, his, his affair, and then he has uh, the, the husband who of the wife that he's having the affair with has him murdered. And the Bible, like, like if I was in control of the Bible, I would hide that. Like, I wouldn't put that in there. 
I would highlight Goliath and him killing him, and then I would like put under the rug the affair, the murder, all that. I'd be like, oh no, David's a great guy. You know? But it, but it shows us that. You know, Paul, the guy that wrote uh, a majority of the New Testament, uh, more than any other writer in the New Testament, and, and Paul, um, before he's about to, to go on this missionary journey, uh, another missionary journey where he's going to go take uh, the gospel and take it to all these new people uh, groups, he's with um, his closest friend, a guy named Barnabas, and, and it talks about in Scripture how before they're to go, they get in this big fight this big fight. Now they were planning on going together, but they get in this fight over this other guy named John Mark because John Mark had abandoned them on the trip that had uh, just happened. And Paul's like, he's not going with us. I'm not taking him. And Barnabas says, no, he's going with us. We're going to bring him back. We're going to reconcile him. We're going to take him with us. And Paul, who wrote a bunch of the New Testament is like, no, he's not coming. And we see this major conflict to the point where they actually separate ways. They go in different directions, Paul and Barnabas, and they decide they're not going to go together anymore. We see um, when we go back to Jesus' closest followers and friends, his disciples, that inner circle of people that surrounded him, we see them continually arguing with each other in conflict over who's the greatest. Who's the greatest? And... And we see this conflict all the way in the beginning, like when Adam and Eve eat from the fruit, they're not supposed to. When God's like, hey, what did you do? What do you think Adam said? Did Adam do, uh, you know, like did Adam shield, protect his wife, have this great relationship with his wife when God does that? No. You know what Adam says? Uh, the woman that you gave me. Yeah. Yeah, God. It's her. And he's like, now, if I'm God, I just kill him, right? Right on the spot. Like, no one will even know. We'll just start this whole thing over again because those two were not the answer. You know, I'm just ending that, you know? Um, God doesn't do that. And, and, and the Bible, once again, it's like, it's like, let's kick off with conflict. Let's kick off with failure and all of that, right? And, and letting people down and blaming other people and, 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 and all of these things. And, and I just want to be really clear with you because I just feel like we think when it comes to the Bible and Christians that it's like this, this like, I don't know, this drug-induced cult of people who just pretend they're okay and they're all happy and everything else when they're not. And that they just like pretend conflict's not there and, and they just go out of their way and they pretend they love everybody, but it's not really true and that. And, and the Bible is just the story of all these just great things and they just follow it. When in reality, that's not the truth at all. When in reality, when hopefully you see Christians that are happy, they're happy because they realize they've been saved from a whole bunch of nasty stuff that they were doing. And hopefully when you read the Bible, you go, oh my goodness, it doesn't highlight, uh, you know, just the good things. It actually reveals a whole bunch of stuff that if I was trying to create this huge revolution. I wouldn't throw any of those stories in there, but it does. Why? So that you can see that this is real, that these are real people whose lives were transformed and that Jesus doesn't kick us to the curb when we fail. And not only when we fail him, but when we fail each other. Guys, you're going to fail each other. You are. Two years ago, um, I have an inner circle, and I failed one of my friends uh, in a way that I still, even thinking about it, it bothers me. It just bothers me. 
But you guys, relational conflict, it is unavoidable. This topic, there's no way to just disconnect it from, from who I am, right? Like, like you think of your friendships. You guys, every single one of you, I'm guessing right now, has a friendship that is not going very well. There's a friendship and there's an issue with a friend. Or they were a friend. You're like, no, nah, it's okay. They're not my friend anymore. You know, for some of us, it's a work relationship. It may be your boss. It may be a coworker. For some of us, it's, it's a dating relationship. Um, you know, like, like for some of you, you're in conflict relationally with someone that you're uh, dating. Maybe it's a group project and you're like, are you kidding me? Why are they in this group? Uh, maybe it's a teammate. You're uh, on, a, on a sports team and, and you're having conflict with a teammate. Maybe it's a roommate, okay? Now, roommates, it, it, the moment you sign up to have roommates, you're inviting conflict into your life. You just are. I don't care if you're like, that's the second coming. That's the perfect person. At some point, you're going to go, I don't really like you right now. Like, you just will. They're going to do something. We all got all these weird, quirky things about us. You know, I, I, like, you know, if you, if you lived with me and, and you left your dishes soaking in, you know, the sink, I would be annoyed. You'd be like, that's normal. I'd be like, no, that's sick. You know, um, like when I got married and, and you get out of the bathroom or you get out of the shower and that awesome little carpet, you know, piece or rug that's right there. And you just go, oh, that's so such a nice feeling. And, and my wife is like, stop doing that. You're to wipe your feet with the towel before you get out. I said, no, that's why we bought that. Like, you know, how comfy. That's like Tempur-Pedic rug action right there. My feet we're meant to feel that wet. And she's like, no, you will wipe before you step. Well, guess what? I wipe before I step. Relational conflict. We work, we work through it, okay? But you will. Roommate, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have issues. You're going to have issues. Some issues are going to be small like that. Um, and, and other issues are going to be large, okay? They just, they just will. Uh, you're going to have issues. You're going to have conflict with your family. Some of you are in conflict with your family right now, with your mom, with your dad, with, with one of your siblings. You're in conflict, okay? Like, um, and, and here's the thing. What, um, when, when we look at the defining characteristic of someone who loves Jesus who is in a conflict, it should be that they desire reconciliation. It should be that they actually are the one uh, that desires peace. But right now, what I'm seeing and why I feel like this is such an important topic is what I'm seeing that characterizes us in our response to conflict, if you're a Jesus follower, is I see a lot of, I'm going to unfriend them, I'm going to unfollow them, I'm going to block them, I'm going to avoid them, I'm going to cancel them. And, 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 and it's really this, now, now let me be clear, sometimes these measures are necessary. Okay, I want to be clear on that. If they're a creep, block them. Okay? Block them. If they're threatening, if they're stalking, if uh, they're causing you emotional or mental harm, uh-uh, get that out. Right? Get that out of your life. So, so don't misinterpret what I'm trying to say because there are times where that is legit, where you need to get that out, remove that, not allow that in. Okay? But what I'm speaking to right now is when we do that just so we can avoid conflict. It's kind of an easy out versus actually dealing with the problem. 
And, and here's the thing. God doesn't call us, if I'm a Jesus follower, God doesn't call me to the easy outs when it comes to relationships. He just doesn't. Um, and and, and he doesn't, he's not going to call you to that, especially if the conflict you have is with someone else that says, oh, I love Jesus too. Um, it's interesting. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, uh, Peter runs up to Jesus and he says this. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Oh, man. <laughs> Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is what he's asking. If I'm, if I'm a follower of Jesus, this is what he's asking me to do in my relationships, in my conflicts. Now, how do I actually do this? Well, the first step is this. It has to start with truth. Okay, at the root of anything that's going to change in your life, it has to start with truth. And, and, it's, and it's going to have to start with not just the truth between you and another person, but it has to start with your own truth and where you're actually at. Okay, Because um, a lot of us are acting like certain things aren't bothering us, but they actually are. Okay, we're pretending that, whether it's a, a friendship or, or whether it's a thought, whether it's something that was said or, or, or done to you, you're pretending it doesn't, but it actually does. And if you're not able to be truthful with yourself, you can't take the next step in being truthful with someone else. So I have to first identify how this is actually making me feel, how this is uh, messing with me, with my heart, with my mind towards this other person. And then um, my next step is, is, is this. You've got to talk to them. Because once I'm truthful with where I'm at, and I know there's conflict, who's going to take the first step? Now, the easiest way to do this, right, is to just not ever deal with the conflict and be like, man, term's almost over. You know, or the lease is almost up. You know, you just wait them out. You don't go out of your room. You're like, they're, they're going to be gone. Or you wait for the door to shut and you know they're gone. You're like, okay, I can go to the kitchen again. Oh. Like, like that's how we handle this conflict. But I would encourage you, if I'm a Jesus follower, he's calling me to take the first step in spite of whether they receive what you say or not. I want to be really clear. By me saying I'm going to be truthful with how this other person makes me feel by what they did or what they said, I am choosing to do that regardless of how they may respond. That's what I'm doing. I'm saying this is the right thing for me to do, whether they agree with what I say or whether they say, I didn't say that. And you're like, no, you did. Like, there's witnesses. I recorded it. <laughs> no, But, you know, like, because they may not. They may totally be like, you're wrong. I don't agree with you. But, but that's not the point. If I am a Jesus follower, I'm called to pursue peace and reconciliation. I'm called to take action. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Romans 12, 18, it says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Romans 14, 19, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. 
So, so when I think about pursuing peace, this means I go after it. Like I'm, pers- I'm, I'm in pursuit of it. You guys right now, there's goals you have, uh, whether it's graduation, whether it's a grade, uh, whether it's a place you want to live, you have goals, you are actively pursuing those goals and trying to reach them. And we should have the same mentality with peacemaking. I should be a- a- absolutely, I should be pursuing it. And and, and so that means I take action. That means when I feel, like sometimes you can just feel tension with someone else. That means when I feel that way, um, I, deal, I deal with it. That means when I know there's something wrong deep down in my soul, uh, I, I talk to somebody about it. I, I take uh, that action. And I'll just say this, as someone who's a leader, I try to model this to the people I lead. I try to have the uncomfortable conversations. Because let's not, let's, let's, let's be honest. Conflict conversations are uncomfortable conversations, aren't they? It's tough. It's not easy. Um, but that's, that's what we're called to do. And I've had these conversations, and sometimes um, I've had conversations where the other person is mad at me, um, but, but later, as a result of my honesty and truthfulness, a lot of times those relationships become so much stronger than they ever could have been. Because here's the reality, you guys. When you have conflict with someone, people are so used to people not being honest with them or telling them if they're doing something consistently to hurt other people. They're so not used to it that, yeah, they get mad in the moment, but later on they go, oh my goodness, like nobody else would tell me this. Nobody else was honest with me. That person was actually honest with me. And there's this lady that I'm thinking of in particular right now uh, who, uh, she was a lady. She was much older than me. I mean, she'd be considered an older lady. And um, I'm in San Diego and, and I take over this, uh, this church. And as I'm leading this church, there is this lady. And at that time, they had what, what we call bulletins. Now, bulletins are these pieces of paper that you give people when they walk into your church that tell them kind of what's going going on. Sometimes there's notes for them to take and all that. We don't have bulletins at Ecclesia, but some churches still do that. And so you, you would walk in and have bulletins. And there was a bulletin folding team. Okay? Big time. She was the leader of the bulletin folding team. Right? She walk in, you know, she's like CEO. So I keep hearing, or I keep listening um, to these reports that we're losing volunteers on the bulletin folding team. And we had this girl uh, renting a room from us who was also on the bulletin folding team. And she comes home one day from church. She's like, I'm not going to be on that team anymore. I'm like, what is happening on this bulletin folding team? Like, this bulletin folding team is going to fold the church if something doesn't stop. So, so I'm literally like, so I start meeting like, Handling conflict. I'm, I'm like, what is wrong? Why, why do you not want to fold pieces of paper anymore? What could possibly have caused you to say, I hate this now? Other than the obvious, folding paper. Ugh. Unless you're into that. But anyway, it turns out this one lady was just a jerk. A jerk. And just saying all these things to all the other volunteers, telling them how they're all doing it wrong. We all love that, right? It's like, oh, okay, you're God's gift to folding bulletins. Okay, yeah, you figured it out, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, I'll show you. I'm out, you know? Um, and, but, 
so all these people are leaving and, 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 and she's just got this reputation as a bully, as the, the bulletin bully, as a jerk and all these things. And, and, so, and so finally I'm like, have any of you talked to her? Well, no. And she wasn't like, I mean, she wasn't like, I'll punch you. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and, and so, so, so none of you talk, you're all just leaving. Yes. Okay. So I'm like, I told my assistant, set up a meeting with me and, and this lady. And, uh, and so I meet with this lady and, and I have this meeting and I just said, Hey, nobody likes you. And, and she's just like, well, what's, what's wrong? And I go, well, apparently what comes out of your mouth is what's wrong. And you are saying a lot of things that you shouldn't be saying. Well, like what? And I said, well, boom, 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 you know? And I start going down the list and I said, listen, you are an incredible volunteer. You are faithful. You are as consistent as anybody. And you're nice to me, but you have to deal with this because you're hurting a whole bunch of people that I'm guessing you don't want to hurt. Do you want to hurt them? Well, no, I, I had no idea. Okay, well, they're being hurt to the point they don't want to serve anymore. And so I'm having this conversation and it hurt. She was like, she was mad. She walked out and everything. And anyway, time goes by, time goes by. Time goes by. And when my firstborn, we're having his, uh, I forget what you call it. It's a party. They give you a bunch of gifts. What is that? Baby shower. Baby shower. Yeah. <laughs> That's a baby shower. And, uh, and now the guy has to go too, so it stinks. But anyway, uh, we're at the baby shower. And guess who we invited? We invited her. You know why? Because we, to this day, have an incredible relationship. Me and the bulletin bully. I mean, still. To this day, we are close. She'll message me. She'll tell me what's going on with her kids. She's, and, and, and that. And we have a phenomenal relationship. You guys, our relationship would never have been anything. She would have been a blip on the radar if I had just come in and said, you can't serve here anymore. You, uh, nobody wants to be here because of you. You're the problem. This probably isn't the church for you, right? Like I could have done all those things, been passive aggressive, um, you know, or just said like, oh, it's just not working out. Why isn't it working out? Oh, it's just not working out, you know? and pretend that everything's okay when it's not, pretend that nobody's hurt, you know, but, but they are. And, and, and guys, like, like, this is how we handle conflict. That was in a church. And, and so we go through our lives handling conflict like this, avoiding running from people like this, running from people that have hurt us, failing to be honest or truthful. And, and, and you know what? Like, like, at the end of the day, what she was doing doesn't define who she wants to be. Someone had to be honest with her. And, and, and so, like, I look at the Bible. The Bible is truth-centered. It's truth-focused. It calls, it calls me to live in truth. And when I live in truth, that means I'm going to live in truth with other people. And so I should pursue peace with her. And I did. And as a result of a difficult conversation, um, I have this lady who is a friend. You know, and, and, and so, 
you guys, I want to just be honest with you. Like, like you're missing out on these conversations that, yeah, they're tough. Yeah, they're hard. But, but like that changed how she served for the rest of her life. That changed how she dealt with other women and that um, to where instead of repellent, now people are inviting her to stuff. And that's awesome, you guys. That's great. That's what reconciliation, that's how we should like look at conflict. We should be hopeful in it. Now, guys, once again, that doesn't mean it's always going to turn out. I mean, you may have this conflict with your mom, with your dad, and be like, all right, I'm going in. And it may not turn out okay. It may be rough. In fact, that conversation, it was rough, and it didn't get better for a while. And then all of a sudden, she just broke, and it turned. And then she was like, Steve, you told me what no one else would tell me. And so she knew that I cared about her because I was willing to tell her what nobody else was telling her. And so, guys, we've, we've got to understand that, um, that, that he calls us to peace. He calls us to be a peacemaker. He calls us to reconcile. And he, God can even do greater work through conflict. You have to believe that, that God's greatest work many times is out of conflict. The stories that I mentioned, even before in the Bible, when you think of Paul and Barnabas, two extremely close people, they fight, they go in different directions over this guy, guess what happens? Uh, The gospel is taken in two separate directions and it spreads double the pace. Great thing. There's a story uh, in Genesis about a a guy named Joseph. Joseph with the multicolored coats. His brothers, what? They... Sell him off. They're done. They, they tell their father he's dead and all these things, right? And, and you think if there's anybody who should be able to hold a grudge in the Bible, it's that guy. Thrown in jail, all these things, falsely accused. Life is horrible. And then the tide turns. All of a sudden, he's in this place of leadership. He's the second in command in all of Egypt and all this. He's got this position. And guess who comes crawling back to him? His brothers. Now, if it's me... I'm like, goodbye, <laughs> you're, you're done, you know? It's like heads, remove them, take them away. You know, like what they did to me is unforgivable, right? But we see in Genesis 50, 20, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Reconciliation. You look at after Jesus resurrects himself. Who is the first disciple Jesus appears to, who shows himself to? Guess who it is? It's Peter. He goes to Peter, the one who had just denied him. He models reconciliation. He models you're not dead to me. He models you still have purpose. He models you matter to me, and this relationship matters to me. And once again, reconciliation is not pretending that that other person is right. It's not pretending that what they did was okay. That's not what I'm telling you to do. Remember, this is out of truth. It's making a decision to love that other person, acknowledging that they're created in the image of God. And in spite of the conflict, I'm going to choose to forgive them. See, guys, forgiveness is a choice to release. That's what forgiveness is. You'll hear me say it over and over again. It's a choice to release. It's a choice to let go. Unresolved conflict is like literally choosing to put on a weight vest or I remember uh, growing up and working out, I'd have these ankle weights that I would wear when I would work out. And, and, and it's literally like, like when you don't choose to forgive, it's like choosing to put on that weight and carry it with you in life. And, and it's like, what, why in the world are you doing that? Why would you want to do that? See, forgiveness is choosing to take those things off. It's releasing. 
That's all it is. It, it, it's, not, it's not pretending you're okay. It's not pretending that what they did is okay. It's, it's, it's not like, like if you have, um, and I use this analogy in the dating talk, like, like literally if, if she, you know, and I, I mentioned this girl that I dated, the first one that ever broke my heart, she cheated on me twice. Like me forgiving her isn't being like, oh, we should get back together. Third time's a charm. No, you'd be like, Steve, you need to figure it out, dude. Like, like she's going to cheat on you again, okay? Like, me forgiving her is releasing what she did to me. It's releasing it. It's saying, I'm no longer going to carry that. Guys, some of you are carrying conflicts that you're not meant to carry. And, and by you choosing to pursue peace is not, once again, um, like, pretending everything's okay, that's just going to go away. It's just choosing to take that weight off. It's choosing to release it. And I also want to say something uh, that's true, but you won't hear it talked about a lot, especially right now. And this phrase is, is tough to swallow, but it's true. The gospel doesn't just unify, the gospel also divides. In Matthew 10, 34, Jesus says this, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have come to bring or that I, have come, that I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, what is he talking about? Because everything we're talking about is blessed are the peacemakers. Why does he say, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword? What is he talking about? You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the reality that when I choose to pursue Jesus, it's going to change the direction of my life. And in that moment, I am going to identify the people that enable me, that help me on that journey as I make these decisions to follow him that transform my life. As I make those decisions, I'm going to start to identify people that are also running in that same lane that are helping me get there, but I'm also going to see people that are in opposition to that for me, people that are holding me back from going in that direction. And that's what he's talking about when he talks about a sword. It's going to create some division in your life. It just will. If you're going to follow him, you guys, um, there's going to be some changes in your relationships. There just will. It's going to impact that because your value system is completely changed. So you're going you're gonna to look for those people that help you go in that direction. That's who um, you're going to look to for support, um, for direction. And so um, that's something that's going to happen if you go all in with Jesus. But even in identifying those relationships that you go, man, that's, that's not good. I can't, I can't have that in my life right now. You cannot <laughs> talk to them in a way that, that literally is like abandonment, okay? Like you can, you can have a conversation with someone in a loving way. The, the friends that are no longer, um, you know, because I always talk about who you give that seat of influence to, me choosing um, to, to pursue people that help me walk down this journey is not saying you're not my friend anymore. You, you're not a Christian. That's not what I'm doing. They're still my friends. I'm just choosing to put the seat of influence. I'm giving that to those that are headed in that direction. And so I, I just see people all the time like, well, I'm a Christian now. So yeah, I'm, I'm done with you. And it's like, oh my goodness, what kind of a message does that send? Right? Like, and, and, and so it's not abandoning. It's a, it's a conversation. It has, that conversation has never been divisive for me. It's always been helpful. The only time that that conversation will be divisive for you is if you say, hey, I can't, and if it's dating, I can't be in this relationship anymore because I'm headed in this direction. You're headed in that direction. The only way that conversation becomes divisive is if you say that, but you don't actually live it. 
that's when there's division when you have that conversation, you guys, even with your friends. Like, um, cause I had friends before I was a Jesus follower that said, Hey, I need to pursue Jesus. You don't help me do that. And they told me why. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> like, I agree with your decision. <laughs> you shouldn't listen to me. I agree with it. And they modeled it. But if someone said, Oh, this is, this is what I'm headed in. This is the direction. And they didn't change. I'm like, no, that's not real. And so if you're going to have that conversation, it's got to be out of truth. It's got to be something you model. Reconciliation also is something that you have the opportunity to experience every day in your own walk. In 1 John 1, 9, we see this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What this means is I can always be reconnected to him. If I have a relationship with him, he does not, um, like, literally, he's not like, oh, you're done. You did this. You made this mistake. You thought this. You acted out on this. You made that. You did that again. You said you wouldn't do it again to me in prayer, but now you did it again. He doesn't do that. Disconnected, disconnectedness with Christ only comes from me choosing to disconnect myself from him. That's not him. That's a me thing. See, because he says, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, he gives you that standing that you had before you did what you did. Think how incredible that is. So you have the opportunity to walk in that with a Savior who continually offers reconciliation with you. And here's what's hard, though. He says, just as you get to walk in that, experience that, just as you love that, I want you now to extend that to other people. I want you to handle conflict in that way. And that's, that's the power, you guys. Now, when you experience that, why would you want to hold that back from somebody else? Wouldn't you want to invite them into that same experience? And so I want to just encourage you, if you are right now in this room and you're a Jesus follower, give the forgiveness you've experienced from God, give that to someone else. And if you've never experienced his forgiveness, I want to invite you into that decision. He, you know, there is nothing that you've done or could do that would remove his free offering of forgiveness to you. And if you've never received that, um, I want to encourage you to invite that in. If you've been disconnected in your relationship with him and not thinking he'd welcome you back, I want to encourage you to receive that forgiveness as well because he welcomes you back. No matter how disconnected you may have been, no matter if you're like, Steve, I haven't been to church in years or you know, I haven't followed him, I haven't prayed, I haven't read, like he still will welcome you back. And lastly, give the conflict, whatever that conflict is with whatever that, whoever that person is, give that conflict to God because you have to be able to be okay whether it works out or not. You cannot base your peace off of someone else's response. That's really important. Guys, when I give conflict over to God, you know what is so great about that? Is it removes the weight of it having to be resolved perfectly. See, if God's not in the picture, I am, I'm not sleeping, I'm disgusted, I'm upset because of this conflict. And, and in reality, when I give that over to God, guess what happens? I've now said, God, this is yours. I'm releasing this. They're yours. I've done my part. 
And, and so I'm okay. I'm going to be okay if they come back into my life, but I'm also okay if they just say, forget you, Steve, because I'm choosing to give it to him. And so, um, guys, and I've experienced this. I experienced this, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. I had conflict with someone, and, and I had every right to be upset. They weren't choosing to reconcile with me and everything else. And you know what I did? At some point, I decided, how long do I want to hold on to this? They're not miserable at all, but I am. So I'm allowing somebody that doesn't even know we're in conflict to not be miserable, but I'm choosing to allow them to make me miserable. That's not fair. And so at a certain point, I just went, you know what? I'm going to give you over to God because I'm sick of carrying you. And so I did that. And it's great. And my life, my happiness isn't dependent on them coming back and saying, Steve, forgive me. I've wronged you. They probably will never do that. But I'm okay. I've done my part. Okay, guys, be peacemakers. Pursue that. If there's conflict, if you have issues with someone and you've never been truthful, start being truthful with yourself. Okay, stop pretending it's not real. Deal with that first with yourself. And then second, go to that person. Talk to that person. Matthew 18, uh, Jesus says, go to that person. First, go to the person. Share with them the conflict you have. And then give it to him. Allow him to work even in that conflict. And, and if, if, if you're someone that follows Jesus and they don't, just explain. Like, just say, hey, you know what? I'm, we're on different pages here. I want to see peace here. And do what you can. And then give it over to God and allow him to do what only he can do. He can transform any relationship. He really can. Okay? Do you believe that? 